I'm David Bowes. I'm the executive vice president of Cato. I want to welcome all of you here. Um, part of our Anglo-American heritage is that a man's home is his castle. So maybe Suzette Kilo should have been a man. Um, but some of her neighbors were men, and they had their homes taken too. Politicians like to say they stand up for the little guy, but in reality, government often bullies the little guy, sometimes in partnership with the big guy. You've all heard the story of Suzette Kilo and her neighbors fight to keep their homes and how she and the Institute for Justice took it all the way to the Supreme Court and how stunned we were when she lost that case. Justice Sandra Day O'Connor was also stunned. She wrote a scathing dissent, which I have quoted many times. The specter of condemnation hangs over all property. Any property may now be taken for the benefit of another private party, but the fallout from this decision will not be random. The beneficiaries are likely to be those citizens with disproportionate influence and power in the political process, including large corporations and development firms. As for the victims, the government now has license to transfer property from those with fewer resources to those with more. The founders cannot have intended this perverse result. The country's pretty polarized these days, but this is an issue 80% of voters agree on. In the aftermath of the Kelo decision, Rush Limbaugh, Ralph Nader, Libertarians, and the NAACP were all on the same side. And my favorite at the time was Howard Dean, then chairman of the Democratic National Committee. When he heard about this decision, he immediately said, President Bush and his right-wing Supreme Court think it is okay to have the government take your house if they feel like putting up a hotel where your house is. Well, of course, it was not, in fact, the right-wing justices who upheld the government's uh, taking of Mrs. Kelo's home. Cato Chairman Bob Levy and Institute for Justice Chairman uh, Chip Miller called this decision one of the 12 worst Supreme Court decisions in history in their book, The Dirty Dozen. 13 years and 78 million taxpayer dollars later, there is still no development on the property that was taken from Suzette Kilo and her neighbors. There have been legislative reforms in most states uh, in response to the decision, but as Ilya Soman said in his book, The Grasping Hand, Kilo v. City of New London and the Limits of Eminent Domain, more and stronger reforms are still needed. Maybe the movement for reform will be re-energized now with this movie starring two celebrated actresses. Little Pink House's nationwide rollout starts this Friday with uh, uh, when it'll start to appear in theaters. For more information on that, you can go to littlepinkhousemovie.com. We're gonna watch the movie in just a moment, and afterward, we're gonna have a very brief Q&A, very brief, with Suzette Kilo, Scott Bullock of IJ, and the writer and director of the movie, Courtney Balaker. With that, let's bring down the lights and show the movie. looking at all the IJ people and the people they selected to play them, <laughs> figuring out who came out best in that trade. <laughs> we made no selections. <laughs> Bribes were taken. <laughs> I can see that the president of the Institute for Justice had something to say about it. Um, 
Okay, we're going to take a few questions from the audience. Uh, we are on a tight schedule, and some of you are probably hungry, but I'm going to ask one question first. Suzette, how do you think Katherine Keener and the movie told this story? I think they did a very nice job, Courtney and Ted. They really did an excellent job at depicting what happened. And that's the way it felt to you? Uh, yeah. That's the way <laughs> All it right. felt. Yeah. Well, I don't know whether that's good or not. Well, it, it, <laughs> it, it was, it was a, a lot of things that went on, so yes. Yes. All right. Questions right here. Hi, Carl Golov and endthefed.info. With the, at the root of this issue seems to be our unconstitutional system of credit brought into existence at usury through the Federal Reserve. The reason being that, as Andrew Jackson said when he ended the second bank of the U.S., that the largest corporations, banks, and politicians would be empowered if we ever let there be another central bank and we would lose our liberties as a result. Um, will IOJ consider pursuing restoring a constitutional monetary system? <laughs> well, let's get right that's on a that. big question in the context <laughs> of, question. Yeah, <laughs> of, of, of Scott, get right on We're that. We're always looking for constitutional issues to pursue uh, and trying to rein in government as, as, as much as possible. I mean, one of the things that's happened uh, in so many of these cases is that it's not just about the abuse of eminent domain, it is about massive corporate welfare uh, that goes on in, in so many of these instances. As the movie pointed out, the state of Connecticut paid $80 million to subsidize this development. The taxpayers now have absolutely nothing to show for it. And so that's oftentimes what you see is, is are, are these terrible decisions made by public officials to not only violate the Constitution, but also to misuse taxpayer dollars. And that, you know, New London and Fort Trumbull is exhibit A in that. In the back row. Uh, hi, uh, Martin Worcester. Uh, I have no opinion on the Second Bank of the United States. <laughs> uh, first off, Ms. Kilo, I just want to say thank you, and you had a great fight. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I'm just wondering where it was filmed. We shot most of the film in Vancouver, Canada, and then we went over to New London to shoot exteriors and establishing shots, but most of it was filmed in Canada. And it, it, uh, it turns out it's very hard to find a modest home with a gorgeous water view, and that's, so that was a very difficult project for Courtney and me to look around the U.S. and Canada to find something that suits uh, Suzette's house. And that's, that also reflects on why her house was so unique, why she couldn't just be moved here, have some money, and go somewhere else. It was a very unique house in a very specific spot, and she just simply could not recreate it anywhere else. Right here. Hi, my name is Todd Wiggins. I'm, uh, I'm very impressed with the, the uh, production. Thank and you. so I wanted to ask you, I'm a, vil a filmmaker or a video uh, producer myself, so I would find it to be very cathartic or even orgasmic, so to speak, to be able to produce something on that level and to find such fine actors in order to pull it off and all the people that it takes to, to orchestrate this. What did it feel like for you? I mean, at some point, did you actually have to have a drink yourselves to celebrate? Because, I mean, what an achievement for your career. And obviously, you can open a lot of doors to other, to other, do other work. 
It's funny you mentioned uh, drink. That's actually how we began our journey, with Suzanne, uh, drinking alcohol. Uh, you know, I, it, it, thank you so much for those words. Um, this was a really intimidating project for a variety of reasons. Uh, the most important thing to us was to honor Suzette and to be true to her story. And we, we have huge admiration for what she did, for what Scott and Dana did at IJ. And we wanted to tell that story in a way that people could connect to emotionally. So, and it was tough because it's a complicated story. And anyone who's read the book that this film is based upon by Jeff Benedict knows it's a complicated story. It was very gratifying to see this film reach mainstream audiences that have no idea what eminent domain is and don't even think about things like that. We were on the Today Show yesterday morning on Megyn Kelly's Hour, and, and she did a really nice segment. We were played in many film festivals, from Vail to Santa Barbara, and places that you don't think that they would really connect to this type of story, but they were connecting to Suzette's story and her neighbor's story. And that was so gratifying to see that happen. And I'll just end on, it was gratifying to see people come up to Suzette when she would accompany us on the Q and the festival circuit, the Q&As, tears in their eyes, hugging her, saying thank you. These are not movement people. These are not people that are trying to spread awareness about eminent domain. These are people that just wanted to watch a good film and were really moved by her. Courtney, this is a movie about two strong women written and directed by a woman. Is this what they used to call a women's picture? <laughs> Lady pick? Uh, chick flick. Uh, chick flick. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, chick flicks are usually about guys and romance and going on road trips, <laughs> bachelorette parties. I don't know, yeah, it was, it was really cool. You know, it was, uh, uh, it was, uh, it was fun to write the, the character of Charlotte. Obviously, she, she's the nemesis, but she's, it's, she's a complicated nemesis, at least in my mind and Jean Triplehorn's mind. We didn't want to make her the, you know, mustache-twirling villain that was just trying to kick a bunch of people out of their home. She had intentions that she thought were very good and she believed. But it was, yes, it, it was, and I think it's rare to find a, a film about a strong woman and it's not about a marriage or a relationship. It's, it's about a strong woman doing something important and another strong woman trying to keep her from doing that important thing. So, yeah, it's, it's unique. Right here. On the aisle. Um, so, d as the, with the eminent domain, did you receive any monetary recompense whatsoever? Me? Yes. Uh, in the end, yes, we all, um, although I never, uh, what do I want to say, I negotiated a price for my house. I, I have five sons, and I had my second oldest son speak to the people for the negotiations, and he took care of everything. I never had anything to do with that. But all of us were, at, in the end, yes, when we had to go, were paid for our properties, yes. Right, and it, but it was something that even with all of this, uh, they would have preferred to stay. I mean, they told them very clearly, we don't want the money, we want to, we'd, we'd like to stay, but the city said, we're, we're getting, we're clearing you out. There's a distinguished constitutional lawyer in the middle of the, the uh, auditorium there. <laughs> Hi, Randy Bar This is Randy Barnett from Georgetown Law. Um, I, I had a more of a personal question to ask. Um, the two figures from this movie, the two principals from this movie are, are here. The actual characters are here. And I'm wondering how Suzette and Scott, how did the living through this experience change you, change your life, change you as a person? What, 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 how are you different having lived through this than you were when you started? Well, well I, I guess I could first say that I'm really just a simple person. 
And I didn't ask for any of this limelight. And, and if you see in the movie, I didn't really even want to do it. I was asked, and out of respect for the Institute for Justice, I did it. When they first took the case, they said they would never desert us, and they never have. And in my heart, I just, these people are good people. And then with the same thing with Jeff wrote the book, and with, with Ted and Courtney, I knew in my heart that they were going to do the right thing. I didn't have anything to do with the production. I trusted their judgment. And I'm simply just a simple person. I, I didn't ask for any of this. I just live my life and I don't really think it's, I don't really know if it's changed me, but I don't know. So just a simple person. Well, for me, and I think it's true for everybody at, at IJ and, and you know, Dana, who's, who's here, was uh, the co-counsel in this. And even though she did not... She's not as big of a part in the movie. She was, we were really true partners in this all the way along and um, uh, through this fight and through so many other ones uh, with it. And of course, the John, great John Kramer, uh, uh, too, uh, was uh, through this. And, and, yeah. and what happened, the effect it had on all of us was to make us even more determined to move forward and fight on behalf of people like Suzette and so many others. I mean, it, would, it was um, tempting to get discouraged by what the Supreme Court had, had done, and we were, of course, very upset by that. But when we saw the outrage and, and the potential for backlash uh, against this, we were able to take that anger and turn it into meaningful change. And the fact that the world has changed so much for the better as a result of Suzette's fight and the fight of so many like her uh, is just so encouraging. But it also made us know that we had to continue this fight, which we did in the years following Kilo and in so many other cases uh, that, that, w that we've litigated. Yes, right here. Is it possible that this could come before the Supreme Court again? What are the chances of that, a case? Yeah, well, I th that's certainly one of our goals is that uh, we want to get it back before the Supreme Court. Uh, I think a lot of the justices, and they've commented on that afterwards, uh, knew the impact that this had on the court's reputation. I think a lot of them were quite shocked by that. They shouldn't have been, but but they were, and um, and felt like the court's reputation took a blow as, as a result of this uh, uh, decision. Uh, so I think the court's makeup would have to change a little bit more before uh, it, it would be considered. I think the fact that states have addressed this in, in their own laws, state Supreme Courts have uh, reined this in up to a point, uh, had made it less likely the court would do something about it immediately. They felt like they would let it go for a bit. But the timing of this movie is really good because uh, people forget the lessons of history. And it's now been 13 years since the Supreme Court's decision. Uh, memories are starting to fade about this. And we're starting to see, after years of decline in eminent domain abuse, cities start talking about this more. And six states haven't changed their laws at all. New Jersey, for instance, is starting to do eminent domain uh, again. So you got to remind people of what, it's, uh, what it means to go down this road, the impact that it has on people's lives, and the need for further reform of these laws. And that's one of the goals, you know, of the movie and, and Ted and Courtney is to try to uh, remind people of this and to spark further change uh, to make sure this doesn't happen again. When this was going on 
every person who came forward to help us, I hoped, would make it end. The reporters, when we wrote it, when we wrote an uh, editorial, when we when we put up uh, a billboard, I, we, every time we did something, we prayed that, they that this would make them stop what they were doing to us. The wolves were at our doors, and I and I say that with all my heart. When the Institute for Justice came, we called them our knights in shining armor because we thought they're here, this is all gonna stop. And then in the end, Jeff Benedict came to me to do the book. And by then it was over, but I said, oh, now the whole world will know what he did to, what they did to us. And we say that there's a little pink house in every town and we wanna use Suzette's story, I mean, all the pain she went through for good um, I mean, the, the motto of our company that Courtney and I own is making important ideas entertaining. And so although the film is released this Friday, that is just the beginning. And we hope to have support from all of you for the impact campaign that we're going to continue with Scott and Kramer and Dana and IJ to make sure that the rest of America doesn't have to go through what Suzette went through. And with these people helping us to, again, bring this to light so more people know what happened to us, when they came to me, I knew in my heart of hearts that they were going to do the right thing. And now in the end, the movie's coming out. We have these campaigns to continue to go forward to fight eminent domain. Let me recognize another couple of special guests who arrived. Suzette Kilo's sons. <laughs> Scott, uh, before you got here, I quoted... Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor's dissent, and now I'm thinking she was just plagiarizing you. Right. <laughs> she, uh, uh, that was the fundamental theme of our argument, is that if you sign off on this, there are no limits on what government can do with eminent domain. That's how he started off. She asked that question, and the other side conceded it, which is just exactly what you want in a Supreme Court uh, argument is uh, for the government to concede your fundamental theme of, 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 of what you're saying. So, uh, uh, but that line, the Motel 6 line, was said during the oral argument. And you could see, you know, the justices are quite close when you're sitting up there uh, for it. And we were concerned about Justice O'Connor. She had written uh, a very broad opinion on eminent domain early in her career, the Midkiff case. So we were very focused on what, how she was thinking about this. And she asked me some tough questions, but then when she asked the Motel 6 question, and as depicted in the movie, he said, yes, Your Honor, that would be okay. She, they always say that you always wanted to get Justice O'Connor uh, in an answer to a question to say, oh my goodness. <laughs> and, and she didn't say that, but the look on her face was one of shock that they conceded that, that point. Yes, in the back there. Hold on. <laughs> the title of the movie is Pink Houses. You're wearing pink today. Um, can you tell us the significance of why you painted the house pink? And the other question is if you still keep in touch with your neighbors that went through this with you. I originally painted the house pink. It's, um, the house was uh, located, it's like a historic, was a historic cottage in a little historic neighborhood. Um, so I wanted to, when I painted it, to keep in uh, 
um, in a context with the neighborhood, but I also wanted it like kind of because it was near the water to be like a, a watercolor. So it's sort of people call it salmon pink. It's actually a Benjamin Moore color from Benjamin Moore Historic Collection called Odessa Rose. <laughs> and yes, I do keep in contact with my. Yes. Uh, who were the justices who voted for and against the decision? The justices that voted uh, in favor of the takings were um, the uh, four more liberal justices plus Justice uh, Kennedy and, uh, and the four more conservative ones, Scalia, Thomas, O'Connor, and Rehnquist were in uh, dissent uh, on the case. So uh, it's an interesting lineup. You see how uh, support uh, for eminent domain can cut across ideological lines. You know, here you had four liberal members of the Supreme Court signing off on this. But our current president said that he agreed with Kilo 100% and, of course, has been the beneficiary of eminent domain. Our first eminent domain case that we ever took on in the late 1990s was against none other than Donald Trump, who was trying to take the home of an elderly widow in Atlantic City, New Jersey, for his, uh, for his casino. Uh, likewise, you know, tonight we have a, a Capitol Hill screening, and uh, Jamie Raskin, Democrat from Montgomery County in Maryland, and Dana Rohrabacher from California, longtime uh, conservative Republican, are co-sponsoring it uh, as well. So that's really encouraging to see. This is an issue that cuts across ideological lines. And most people that um, you ask about it are against it. The polling on this was off the charts, and that was across the country, across demographic lines, ethnic lines, and even across political parties then as well. It's, it's funny when we go to very progressive uh, audiences like at film festivals and they all love Suzette and the story and we have to break the news to them about, you know, what the liberal justices did. The woman there in the back, halfway back. Hi, Suzette and Scott, thank you for, the, for fighting this fight. And for the filmmakers, congratulations. You've made a wonderful, wonderful film. It deserves a wide audience. Thank how you. Can, how can anybody in this room help get a wide audience? How wide is the distribution going to be? And our, our favorite question of the evening. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now, uh, well, I, I got to say, we have, a, we have a great team, IJ and Suzette, and um, a lot of independent films of, at our budget level, they will open at one to three theaters, um, and then they hope to expand from there. Uh, we'll open in eight theaters, and we currently have about 40 cities booked. Um, so the, the, the quick answer for how you can help is to go to watch.littlepinkhousemovie.com and buy as many tickets as you can. I don't really care if you go to the movie, just buy <laughs> tickets to the movie. Um, and uh, bring your friends, relatives. You know, this is great. Anybody who, uh, if you want a, an introduction to liberty, bring them along. And then you'll have a very productive discussion afterwards. Opening week is extremely important for an independent film. Um, so if we do really well opening weekend and opening week. That's this weekend. Right. This weekend. Uh, then that makes all our other goals in terms of policy change and opinion change all the easier to do. So please go to watch.littlepinkhousemovie.com and buy your tickets today. You, uh, I should say, they'll be in uh, opening week cities are New York, Los Angeles, Irvine, San Francisco, Berkeley, and Atlanta.
<laughs> right. That's right there. That's right. And New London, Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> this happened. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so for about 40 years, my family and I lived in Flint, Michigan, where the state and the city gave untold millions of dollars to keep GM there and to for them to expand their facilities. And they're all now brownfields, most of them. My question is, in the state reforms that have been enacted, has any state required a corporation to return the tax abatement money that is given when they pick up and leave? I, not that I'm aware of. And Dana, uh, who follows these very closely, is shaking her uh, head. Um, uh, for that. Um, you know, there has been talk about doing something like that and certainly something legislatures could consider. Also, giving back the land too, which is land too, which is cities condemn, even sometimes for more traditional public uses. And, um, and if they're not used within a certain period of time, they should be, they should be returned to the, to the owners of it. Dan? Only about four states, and no one did that financial thing. It's a great idea, but nobody did it. <laughs> right here. Thank you. Deb Chandler with KF Media Group and Acumen Television. I'd love to talk to you guys about distribution after the theaters. Oh, do you Scott, I would love to have your version, and I know we saw it on the film of when the attorney came to visit you, because <laughs> that was, like, really cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, can I tell the... the of course. Yeah, so, so that was what you call a dramatization <laughs> of, uh, of, uh, of it. But this is what happens in movies. I mean, we did not have good relationships with the attorneys in, in the case. That's true of almost all of our cases. The fact that we call out what the government is doing and are very open about uh, exposing uh, this makes a lot of lawyers very uncomfortable. A lot of especially older school lawyers think it's in some ways unethical, even though it's absolutely not for it. He told Jeff Benedict how upset he was by some of the things I had said that other folks at IJ had said about this. He fumed to Jeff Benedict in the book for it, but that doesn't make for an interesting no. movie. You, you know, you can't have somebody reading the newspaper and getting, you know, <laughs> thought bubbles up there. So that's why they had a direct confrontation uh, with him. Well, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, we should try to do another one with Charlotte Wells. Uh, yes, in the back. I'm um, just a question for Scott. Um, in the immediate aftermath of the Supreme Court decision, was there an avalanche of, of companies trying to exploit it in any particularly egregious examples? You know, was there sort of Walmart trying to kick a lot of people out? And, and were you especially busy at that time sort of beating them back? Yeah, it was, it was um, interesting because uh, at first they thought this, and a lot of, you know, of course, big box retail stores and developers and, and others, planners thought, wow, this is great. Now we can move forward on all of this. But then when they saw the backlash to this, 
and what it meant and the public opposition to this and how outraged people were by it, then they started peeling way back. And they, what they really tried to do then was to do a desperate um, effort to try to stop state legislation from moving forward, to undermine state legislation, uh, to make it not as strong as it, it could have been and, and should have been in, in, in some states. And, um, and they were very uh, discouraged then ultimately by it. And I've heard quotes and the, uh, a lot of folks and in, in the people who support this have quoted as saying that Kilo was the worst thing that could have, that could have happened uh, uh, to them. Uh, and so they were, there was a lot of uh, folks that thought you know, twice and three and four times about moving forward with this because they knew what it would entail and uh, the bad uh, publicity that would be involved in it. And now it's difficult to do because a lot of the state reforms that have been enacted. Yes. What's the future of the property? Well, the property that's there now? Yeah, well, it's, yeah. I, it's, uh, you went up there. Terry uh, 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 just said, uh, he, he, uh, well, uh, here, he uh, visited there and actually took a picture of it. And there is a big sign that says, Mar open for development opportunities. Yeah, 13, you know, come and talk to us. Call this number and come to us with ideas. There have been various plans to, uh, to put something on, on, on the property. All have fallen through. Uh, there's no market uh, uh, for it, and the development projects have, have never worked out. So it is vacant land, and as of now, there's no plans for it. One of the recent plans, as I understand it, was uh, to have have it be uh, a little neighborhood with, with houses. And yeah. <laughs> nice. Matt, can you imagine? Great like, spot try to that. picture houses in, in that spot. Uh, yes. Supreme Court decisions are often very controversial and they draw lots of friends of the court briefs from various organizations. At the time of the case, were there organizations that filed friend of the court briefs on your side that surprised you and organizations that filed friend of the court briefs on New London's side that also surprised you? Well, I don't think any on, on the other side um, surprised us. It was the usual cast of characters that you would think, National League of Cities, the American Planning Association, others that still wanted to have these tools available to us. But we had a great variety of folks on our side, uh, and it showed kind of the diversity of, of people that are opposed to this. The NAACP filed a brief on our behalf, uh, Professor Ilya Soman, I don't know if he's here right back. Uh, there's Professor at, uh, George Mason. Uh, he co-authored a brief with the noted urban sociologist Jane Jacobs, who really signaled um, uh, this, um, uh, warned people about uh, the effects on neighborhoods of eminent domain uh, in New York back in the 1960s. And so she weighed in on this. So it was great to have that broad range of, of, of support. And I don't think there were any surprises, though, on, on the other side. Like I said, it's the it's the usual suspects. Were there business corporations or business associations filing on either side? A lot of them stayed out of it, actually. I think that most of them uh, wanted to, they, as they saw the controversy uh, building, that they did not really want to weigh in because, of course, they want to still have the option of, of using eminent domain. They like getting property on, on the cheap, but then said, wow, this is getting pretty, uh, uh, pretty um, controversial and, and, and pulled back. Yes.
I'd like to follow up on the uh, uh, possibility of getting this in more theaters, uh, especially in the state of Virginia. Um, is your vision to get them into uh, regular runs or just special screenings? How do, what do, it's how all do of the above. It's, most of them are regular theatrical runs. So uh, when they're booked, they're booked for a week at a time. And it's usually four to five screenings per day. And then if the film performs well, it can be held over. Um, and if it performs well, other markets take note of that and, um, and book the film as well. Another thing you can do, uh, you, we've set up this system through a company called Tug where you can uh, actually bring the film to your hometown movie theater if you don't see it on, on the list at uh, watch.littlepinkhousemovie.com. And... Um, if you go to that website too, you can um, just type in your email address and someone from Team Little Pink House will walk you through how to do that. People from Anchorage to Orlando are doing that. Uh, Suzette's niece is doing that in, in Prescott on Monday and her sister is doing it in Raleigh. And, and so if you, if, you, if you guys know anybody over there, uh, um, check it out. Uh, and then we also have some uh, special screenings such as in Kentucky coming up in Lexington next, next week. Um, but most, tonight. and oh, right, yeah, and tonight. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, it's very, you know, we're going up against films that have massive budgets and massive marketing budgets. We don't have that, so we rely on folks like all of you to help spread the word. So please see us if you have any interest or ideas on, on how to get it into more theaters. Again, so far, so good, but we really need to, to do well at the, uh, at the box office. Um, uh, this weekend, this week, yeah. particularly this weekend. I know you folks have other stops to make, which is great. Courtney, do you have a final word? Thank you guys so much uh, for being here. Thank you for participating in this. And yes, watch.littlepinkhousemovie.com and please help us spread the word and get this movie out there. And thanks to Cato for having us. Thank you. Cato, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.